0: Coming up just now. Hello, folks, and welcome to Cudlow. I'm Larry Cudlow. As usual, the New York Times got it completely wrong talking about Donald Trump's inflation which, by the way, was, get this, 1.6 percent at an annual rate on average over his entire first term, 1.6. Anyway, our own Sandra Smith and Steve Forbes will set the record straight. Plus, House Oversight Chair James Comer be here to unveil a new subpoena for A.G. Merrick Garland regarding Joe Biden's illegal classified documents. Then Senator Mike Lee is coming around. He's going to talk about Joe Biden's lawless student loans and Oh, why is Wendy's jacking up their hamburger prices? And finally, is Mitch McConnell about to endorse Donald Trump? How about those apples? (laughs) And then Mark Simone and Jason Chaffetz will weigh in later in the show. Why is Joe Biden betraying our great ally Israel? Former IDF special ops Aaron Cohn will opine on this and other matters. First up, let's go to our own Edward Lawrence, the best of the best. There he is in Washington, swimming as best
1: he possibly can. (laughs) Edward, what's cooking down there today? Yes, sinking in the swamp uh, here in Washington, Larry. Uh, You know, the president here is feeling pressure now over the economy. He's feeling pressure over Ukraine funding. The president also feeling pressure now the wave of migrants illegally crossing the southern border. So today, congressional leadership met with the president in the Oval Office. The president wanted to talk about Ukraine. The House Speaker pressed the president over border funding. Listen.
2: And we're hearing from the American people of all parties and all persuasions in all cities and all states who feel this acutely. They understand the catastrophe at the border is affecting everyone. And it is top of mind for all the American people for that reason. So I brought that issue up repeatedly today in that room and, and again one-on-one with the president. I think that's our responsibility uh, to bring that up.
1: So the White House applying its own pressure, blaming the losses in the battlefield on Ukraine, uh, on, in Ukraine on Republicans. We're already, in some ways, too too late. They lost the town of Avdivka because of—literally because of ammunition. So, in some ways, it's, it's already having a dramatic effect on the battlefield. Speaker saying America's needs must come first. Other Republicans saying President Biden has had three years to fix the situation at the border that he broke through unwinding the former president's policies— and all of this is wrapped into a deadline for a partial government shutdown on Friday. Here's the president.
3: I think that Congress has a Congress's responsibility from the government. We've got to get about doing a shutdown that would damage the economy significantly. And I think we all agree to that. And we need a bipartisan solution.
1: And the House Minority Leader today out in front of the West Wing here said that he could see a continuing resolution, push this down the road to give more time for negotiations. Back to you, Larry. Edward,
0: just a quick question. On the um, border issue, which has not yet been resolved, if I understand, the four corners of the leadership wound up talking about the border, even though we thought they were going to talk about – uh continuing resolution or a government shutdown. Is there any hint? Is the White House leaking, putting out anything about the border story?
1: No, in fact, this meeting was not going to be about border. This meeting was about avoiding a shutdown as well as Ukraine funding. It turned into a border because you saw the House Speaker say that he brought it up several times. Uh, No, there's been nothing out of this White House that there'll be any change on border policies or anything the President's going to do. We have heard he's considering uh, executive action of some sort uh, on the border, possibly limiting people coming across illegally cannot apply for asylum, which sounds familiar for those of you in the Trump administration. Uh, But nothing has been decided. And nothing is happening yet.
0: All right. Edward Lawrence, as always, the best of best. Thank you ever so much. Now, folks, I just want to weigh in. The New York Times writes a piece called Trump and inflation. And of course, the gist of it is Trump policies are going to push prices higher. Trouble is. There was no inflation numbers in the entire piece. Nothing. No numbers. So let me help them over the four years of President Trump's first term. The Consumer Price Index average. are you ready for this? 1.9% at an annual rate. That's for the whole term. Less than the Fed's target of 2%. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait. The Fed likes to target something called the Personal Consumption Deflator, PCE, under Mr. Trump, came in at 1.6% at an annual rate. So, if Trump policies held down inflation below the Fed's target in his first term and he pursues similar policies to rejuvenate the economy in a second term, somebody's got to tell me why there's going to be higher inflation. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't it Joe Biden that had the inflation problem? That never entered into the New York Times story. So, inflation measured by the CPI, 6% at an annual rate over his three years. And the level of the Consumer Price Index jumped 18%. And, of course, individual prices like groceries up 20, gasoline up 25. All of that continues to plague middle class working folks today. Even though the overall inflation rate has finally eased down from 9 percent, prices remain very high. We will talk about Wendy's in just a few moments. By the way, during President Trump's term, consumer prices over the entire four year period increased only 7 percent. So The New York Times is on pretty shaky ground for all this Here's another point. Drill, baby, drill. The average oil price during Mr. Trump's term was $53 a barrel. Under Mr. Biden, it has been nearly $80 a barrel. Responding to high oil prices, mainly resulting from Biden's war against fossil fuel, oil production recently has finally gotten back to 13 million barrels a day, which was the pre-pandemic peak under Mr. Trump. But without the socialist Green New Deal and all kinds of limits on leasing and drilling, oil production should have gone up to at least 15 million barrels a day. But the point here is that Trump's unlocking the oil spigots, which he will resume in his second term, kept energy prices historically low, and these low energy prices permeate the entire economy. In other words, New York Times, counterinflation. And then there were Trump's supply-side tax cuts for individuals, corporations, and small businesses, Those are inherently counterinflationary by providing new investment incentives to produce. The increase in capital investment and productivity, which is output per hour, well, that generated higher real wages for the whole workforce, but at the same time held down prices. Trump will likely extend and even expand his successful pro-growth tax cut policy in a second term. And then there was the Trumpian deregulation. For example, between 2017 and 2019, the Trump administration cut nearly eight regulations for every new significant rig. Slash and costly and burdensome red tape helped unleash entrepreneurial production and new business formations. That's counterinflationary, another supply-side triumph. Even Mr. Trump's push for tough fair trade deals, including the increase in tariffs on China had virtually no inflationary impact. Despite all the screaming from conventional economists, the reality is the Chinese companies had to cut their margins in order to swallow tariff penalties on their unfair trading practices. You know what? Other trade deals like USMCA or Japan and South Korea, well, they actually lowered tariffs for the most part. Trump's trade defense of American workers did not lead to higher inflation as so many people guessed wrong. Finally, look for a second Trump administration to be much tougher on federal spending. After watching Joe Biden's $6 trillion assault, that's heading for $50 trillion in marketable federal debt. Also, get ready, the Trump administration is likely to push for Executive Budget Impoundment Authority, another weapon to cut spending. But the New York Times never seems to understand is that supply-side policies that enhance production and investment, along with a shrinking role for government, is inherently counter-inflationary. And as far as Mr. Trump is concerned, he did it once. He's raring to do it again. All right, that's my loop. Just, I try to be helpful to the New York Times whenever I possibly can. (laughs) Let's turn to our distinguished guests. We have Sandra Smith, co-host of America Reports, and Steve Forbes, Forbes Media Chairman and Editor-in-Chief, an author of Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. All right, kids, welcome uh, to you, Sandra. I just came
4: for the show. That was therapeutic.
0: I just want to say, I know, I, you, you were the one who sent me the Times story this morning. Uh, maybe I should read the Times more often, maybe not. But the reality is it annoyed me they didn't put any numbers in. I mean, you know, if Trump had such a low, his inflation rate, 1.6 percent, for the whole four-year period. And here's Joe Biden with Biden inflation, and you can't even go to Wendy's or McDonald's and buy yourself a hamburger without seeing the price jacked up. I mean, I don't know why this reporter didn't put any of that stuff in. What's I, hope, the I hope you're
4: not hungry, by the What's way, the from, evidence? like,
0: noon to two, because that's when the spike's
4: going to be. That's it. Uh, you might want to change your lunch hour to 2 o'clock. Um, I think that's a fascinating story, though. Um, New York Post put it on their cover today. I mean, that's... that's the Wendy's. That's the a, Wendy's that's story. That's interesting, right? That's businesses... Is having to deal with an incredibly uncertain environment. What's the worst thing for business? Uncertainty, right? This is what we are living under under this administration. Larry, you're the one who's kind of been saying the economy is not so bad, but I'm looking at, at right now the average American family is spending the largest chunk of their disposable income on food whether in a restaurant or the grocery store, than in over 30 years. Yep. So it's a great economy if you're not buying a car or selling a house or going grocery shopping or yeah. eating out at restaurants. I mean, those high prices are here to stay. And when you dig through that New York Times article, the White House is not primarily responsible for controlling inflation. No, they're responsible for running inflation up to levels that this country has never seen. Those prices have not come down. So if you want to know why people are still so sour on the economy— when there are metrics pointing to some positive developments, it's because people just aren't taking I'm just home saying, too much cash. No,
0: no. I Look, GDP is strong. It's being driven a lot by government. But people can't afford to live in the Biden economy. That's the problem. I mean, GDP numbers are coming in strong. Uh, tremendous consumer stimulus from government spending. But you're right. All the things you say is right, which I've repeated a million times. Affordability is low. Real wages are falling. That's the heel. And the deal. U.S.
4: stock market is priced in dollars, right? And so if you have less buying power, even though you might see your 401k going up, that dollar's not but, going as far. But,
0: Steve Forbes, why, why are tax cuts and deregulation going to cause higher inflation? If Trump wins, I would expect to see him. He's said this a million times. He will keep make the tax cuts permanent, maybe build on the tax cuts. He's going to continue the deregulation. How could drill baby drill, putting more oil in play, be inflationary? That was the part about the New York Times I didn't understand. The same policies, how is that going to raise inflation? The guy didn't have any inflation in his term.
3: Uh, It raises inflation because Trump would be president. (laughs) (laughs) Anything he does is bad. bad. The sun's not going to come up anymore. (laughs) We're going to have plagues, parasites, and uh, (laughs) eagles all over the place. So uh, the fact of the matter is, you hit it in your introduction. Fact of the matter is, if you have a stable dollar, which mm-hmm. you used to call king dollar, mm-hmm. if you have lower taxes, which is a price, tax rates, which is a price on productive work, risk-taking and success, you lower that burden, guess what happens? The economy prospers. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's killing the economy today with this modern socialism is the unending avalanche of new regulations. Right. Particulates and the like. Again, do, where did they ever get the congressional approval to ban the internal combustion engine? They didn't, but they're doing it anyway. Everything that makes life good, they're against. And that's where the Republicans
0: hate. it. Remember what on. you said a couple of years ago with Biden, regulatory inflation. Modern socialism. Very, right, very important. You don't have to buy the means of... You don't have to buy the steel mills. You're doing it through government regulations. And that's what the New York Times and so many people do not understand that. You You nailed this actually probably three years ago. And I want to add one other thing. Trump and the dollar... Trump was always keen. This is something people didn't understand. He wants the dollar to remain the world's reserve currency. He looks at that in terms of making America great. He doesn't want the People are saying Trump wants a low dollar. He, we never had that problem with him. I know he it would critical the Fed. But the fact remains he wanted the dollar. He's going to go back to deregulation. He's going to go back to drill, baby drill. He's going to go back to the tax cuts. How the heck can that be inflationary? Sandra Smith, they how al- can that be inflationary? The,
4: the, the New York Times almost ignores... The Trump pitch to address regulations yes. and deregulate. It finally brings it up in, the, in one of the final paragraphs. If there's one way Trump could reduce inflation, it could be through deregulation. <coughs> A few re- Republican that's, economists tell the writer yeah. of the piece businesses facing less red tape might pass their cost savings along to consumers. There you go. I think that's somebody who might need an economics 101 class. Eight yes, of one. course that'll be passed Eight along.
0: to one. By the way, what's your favorite thing on the Wendy's menu? I, have, I, I know, have not
4: been since Baton Rouge. I was at school.
0: When you had breakfast there yesterday, how was the, how was the congestion pricing? Is what I I think call. they have
4: good chili on the menu. I hear
0: somebody else said that to me. I don't know chili. It wouldn't even occur to me to buy chili. It could be that someone's now saying it's good in my ear. I don't know who. <laughs> ice cream.
4: They have a good ice cream
0: cone. Possibly. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to plead the Fifth Amendment on the. Can we, what can can we just? Before, I know we're running out of time. Play Rich Lowry's quote from yesterday's show, which the editor in chief of National Review here. Just quick, real play this. Is it true you were
1: sighted at McDonald's over
0: the weekend <laughs> and that your whole cash wad was blown McDonald's for McDonald's
1: drive-thru, two orders of large fries and a large shake, $17. <laughs> I love McDonald's. I think it's one of the greatest institutions of in American life. It's the first time ever in my life I've gone to McDonald's and felt ripped off.
4: There's no way he's eating two large fries.
1: <laughs> 17
0: bucks, Sandra. <laughs> 17 bucks. Now, how come that wasn't in the New York Times story? This is you a- know what that's called? Can I help you on this? what? Bidenflation. There you go. There you go. I
4: was shocked in the Wendy's article that a, a I guess a Dave's single. Is that a burger? OK, five dollars, ninety nine cents. But they're here in Times Square, eight dollars, 19. Who's paying ten dollars for a Burger well, from
3: and, and this is where the modern socialism is really going to take a toll. California—they're raising the minimum wage for right. restaurant workers right. to $22. Right. What do you think that's going to do to food for people who can't afford fancy restaurants?
0: I'll it's tell going you. to raise their cost of living. You are a thousand percent right. Um, David Malpass was here, sitting where Sandra's sitting, not a week or ten days ago, saying exactly the same thing. The Bidens—look—they are spending way too much. Okay. But the regulatory inflation is massive. Among other things, it stops the flow of goods production. So you have too much money chasing too few goods. So the GDP is strong, but the inflation continues. You can't afford to live in the Biden economy. That's why his numbers are so bad. It'll be interesting where
4: gas prices are on Memorial Day, don't you think? Well,
0: the slogan should be, bring back the dishwasher. Remember when they washed oh, dishes? No. Bring back the dishwasher. <laughs> bring back the wood stove. Bring back some, I don't know, wooden stove pizza. I don't, I don't eat much pizza either. Steve Forbes, Sandra Smith. <laughs> Just salad, right? Please don't. <laughs> you can watch Sandra every day with her co-host, John Roberts, on America Reports. Wednesday, no, weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. I almost made the cut today, but I lost out to Fannie Willis. Coming up here on Cudlow tonight, House Oversight Chair James Comer is going to be right here on set. He's unveiled his subpoena for Attorney General Merrick Garland regarding all of Joe Biden's illegal classified documents that showed up in the uh, Robert Herr investigation. Remember, you can catch Kudlow Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. I never go to McDonald's or Wendy's right here on Fox Business. And if for some reason you can't be here at four, just text your favorite nine year old and she will show you how to DVR the show. I'm Kudlow. She's Sandra. He's Steve.
1: Business reporters are covering the biggest stories. Why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners? Now The former president's legal team has confirmed he will appeal. With Critical Democracy 24 coverage. We've talked to a lot of caucus goers. The
4: line to vote has been out the door.
1: Breaking down business news headlines. The
4: fishermen say that's just a bridge too far. This is the biggest retail
5: tech show.
1: This is outfitted with this remarkable AI software. Fox Business, invested in you.
0: All right. House Oversight Chair James Comer unveiling a brand new subpoena for Attorney General Merrick Garland regarding Joe Biden's illegal classified documents. He shares that with uh, Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan. Um, here he is right on set. Uh, Mr. Chairman, thank you for this. Uh, just wa- uh, you want to know for the Robert Hur investigation, I'm going to make sure we lay this out for our viewers Uh, What the documents were, you're interested in whether there were video interviews as well. Can you just tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, we want to see the transcripts for the Robert
6: Herr uh, interview with Joe Biden, because we have questions about Joe Biden's mishandling of classified documents. We've been very transparent in public about our concerns about the documents. Uh, We have some emails from Hunter Biden uh, to various people around the globe that he was receiving money from that In these emails are attachments that appear to be government documents. We want to know were those part of the classified documents that were mishandled by Joe Biden in the her report. They listed the countries that were involved and some of the countries where the Bidens have received millions of dollars. China. Well, uh, Ukraine, Russia, some of those places were, were, were in there. China. So we want to know exactly what. Uh, which documents they were. And we also want to know if Robert Herr asked certain questions about Hunter Biden. We know from a transcribed interview we did months and months ago with Kathy Chung that we believe there are some uh, discrepancies in what she testified about Joe Joe Biden's knowledge and involvement in mishandling the classified documents versus what the media reports have been about Robert Herr's uh, uh, interview with Joe Biden. So we just want to put everything together and uh, make sure it's honest. And look, everybody's been on me in the media about releasing the transcripts every time we have a deposition. Normally in a, in a major investigation, you don't release the, the transcripts until you've, you've deposed everyone. But the media is always every day, when are you going to release the transcripts? Now we ask for transcripts on Joe Biden and they're, they're silent. They don't, they don't care about transcripts.
0: Some Robert Hur had to have asked Joe Biden why he thought, why he Biden thought it was legal for a senator or a vice president to take these classified documents away. They're supposed to go into the National Archives under the President's Presidential Record Act. Everybody knows it. Whether he has a faulty memory or not, he broke the law. Now, it's got to be in there. Her must have asked Biden, what were you doing as an ex-senator taking stuff away, don't you think? You would think. Really? You would think. But we don't know exactly what
6: her asked, and we need to know. We need to know because a a central theme in the Biden influence peddling investigation uh, is the fact that the Biden family, specifically the son and the brother of the president of the United States, were selling access to Joe Biden. And one of these emails was dated at a time when uh, when Hunter Biden was was trying to prove his worth Mm. to a certain foreign national after Joe Biden left the presidency. We know that Hunter Biden was receiving a, a huge salary mm-hmm. uh, from a Ukrainian business. Mm-hmm. And when Joe, the day Joe Biden left office, they cut his salary in half. So uh, the email went out at a time when he was trying to prove his worth. And that's what the Biden brand did. That's what we've learned in all of our interviews and depositions. Anytime they were pitching themselves to a, a foreign government or foreign oh, sure. national, they would put Joe on the phone. See, we're
0: close with Joe. Do you think, do you think Robert Hur asked Joe Biden... Who else saw these classified documents? For example, I'm just going to pick a name randomly, Hunter Biden. Do you think Hunter Biden wandered into the garage or the Corvette or whatever with these classified documents strewn about, there were no Secret Service agents like there were at Mar-a-Lago, and looked at them and maybe communicated something from them to his clients in China and um, Ukraine and Kazakhstan and God knows where else? Do you think he ever did that?
6: If Robert Hurd did not ask that question then that's malpractice. There you go. Because the documents that Joe Biden mishandled are in at least four different locations. How did they get in four different locations? And one of the locations, we know Hunter Biden lived there for two years because a lot of the addresses for some of the wires from China were sent to Joe Biden's house because that's where Hunter Biden was living.
0: One last one. Uh, So the... FBI and the Justice Department now are locking up this guy Smirnoff, who was supposedly the FBI, one of his top most respected informants, I guess not. Uh, They're saying, Mr. Uh, Biden, President Biden is saying, your investigation is now over because this guy Smirnoff is no good. And I wanted to give you a chance to respond to that.
6: That's not true. Uh Smirnoff was a tip that we received from Chuck Grassley. We investigated the tip, but we couldn't determine whether or not the tip was accurate because we didn't know who the informant was. All we knew, uh, Jim Jordan and I knew about the informant was what Christopher Ray told us, that he was one of the highest paid, most trusted informants in the entire bureau, that he had worked for the bureau for over 10 years. Most of the people that were involved in that allegation. We're in Ukraine. Well, I can't go to Ukraine. I can't send my staff. We, we
0: talked about this
6: on yeah, this so show many times. This has nothing to do with it. the with the tens of millions of dollars the Bidens took from China, Romania, from Russia. So so you
0: know, this was family. Each, each yeah. family member had their own little LLC company uh, you know, and they 20 were getting plus paid LLCs, for
6: LLCs. Uh, 170 suspicious activity reports tens of millions of dollars from foreign nationals that they can't explain one thing they did to receive the money that's what this investigation is about the investigation's about interviewing all these former biden associates and they say they were selling access to joe right. and that joe was a willing participant that's what the investigation's over this fbi informant wasn't a part of the investigation, something we looked into, but we
0: couldn't verify because we didn't know who he was. Which is what you always said. I must ask you that half a dozen times in the last yeah. year, and you always said that. So the investigation continues. That's the uh, bottom line. Absolutely, yes, the
6: investigation sir? continues. Tomorrow we uh, depose Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we'll have the big public hearing that uh, that Hunter Biden claims he desperately wants to have, mm-hmm. and we'll go from there. I mean, we want to we want to issue a report, tell right. the American people the truth, and
0: hold people accountable for wrongdoing. Oversight chair, James Comer. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming back on set. All right, folks, coming up next, Senator Mike Lee is going to talk about Biden's lawless student loans and a few other things. And then later on, the rumor out there, Mitch McConnell ready to endorse Donald Trump. This is a believe it or not. We have Mark Simone and Jason Chaffetz to weigh in. I'm Kudlow. The investigations continue as they must.
3: Tens of millions of people in debt were literally about to be canceled, their debts. But my MAGA Republican friends in the Congress, elected officials and in special interest, stepped in and sued us, and the Supreme Court blocked it they blocked it. But that didn't stop me.
0: <laughs> Supreme Court blocked it, but that didn't stop me. I don't know what Biden doesn't understand about legal or the Supreme Court. Joining us now, maybe to help us out, Utah Senator Mike Lee. Senator Lee, welcome back to the show. Can you just explain to me? I mean, this is a direct quote. He's out in California raising money. The Supreme Court blocked it, but that didn't stop me talking about student loans. Huh? Does the Supreme Court stop you or the law stop me? I don't get it. You got to help me, sir. Yeah, Larry, that statement might have been more
2: accurate had he said the law prohibited it and the Supreme Court acknowledged that the law didn't allow him to do what he did. That's what he's papering over. He's also papering over the fact that once that happened, he then came up with another also really sketchy basis for just changing an entire government program. Now, keep in mind, this isn't just about um, uh, forgiving a, a, a few loans. What he's saying, basically is that he's going to make other taxpayers pay for everybody else's higher education debts Mm -hmm. without Congress making that decision. Now, if we decided in this country to socialize the cost of higher education, to give everyone a free higher education experience paid for uh, by U.S. taxpayer dollars, that would be one thing. We're not in that universe. And so he can't just utilize his vast powers as president of the United States decree this. This is taking money away from the American people at a time when they can't afford it, at a time when the average American household is having to shell out an additional thousand dollars every single month, month after month, just to live, just to put a roof over their heads and groceries on the table, gas in the car. And he's making it worse by doing things like this, that he's not even authorized
0: to do by law. Let me go to a somewhat somewhat different subject, but it's still uh, on the generic issue of breaking the law, Senator Lee. We know that the president has plenty of executive authority. He took away the Trump uh, policies of remain in Mexico and Title 42 and other things. He could put it back. But we also know, in fact, we heard this from Vivek Ramaswamy last night. We know that the president or any executive has a decision to deport right to deport criminals for example we even have the uh, mayor of new york eric adams now who's uh, saying maybe we shouldn't have sanctuary city at least for convicted felons You're a lawyer what do we have the united states has does the president have the authority to deport criminals or to deport illegals is it already on the books larry not only does he have that authority
2: he has that obligation that duty it requires us to deport people who have violated our laws, who are, for one reason or another are not suited uh, for being in the United States, who came here illegally, especially if they've got some aggravating circumstances, uh, like a felony conviction or something like that. And once they're ordered deported, they need to actually be deported. And that's not just a right. That's not just an authority. That's an obligation. So when he fails to carry that out, that's how we end up with this mess, it's how we end up in a circumstance where. We've got murders being committed. This tragic murder of the, uh, the, the bright young nursing student at the University of Georgia. Or, or recently we learned about a, a shooting uh, uh, by an individual against police in Washington, D.C. who had an active, valid order of deportation. It just wasn't being implemented. When they choose not to enforce the law over and over again, they are violating the law. They're allowing the law to be circumventing. to to be circumvented, and they are enriching the international drug cartels to the tune of tens of billions of dollars every year while flooding our country, not only with 10 million illegal aliens, but enough fentanyl every year that does, in fact, kill 110,000 Americans and that, if administered in the right doses,
0: would be enough to kill every single American. So, okay, of course, I agree with you, but I guess what I'm asking is, can you, or maybe you have, and other conservatives in the Senate, actually stepped up and put out there a deportation bill or, let's just say, a resolution that includes current law on deportation. Because um, President Trump is going to go there. You know that. He should go there. You know that, too. I think that's what you're telling me right today. Nobody else wants to talk about that, but I think Trump is dead right Particularly when you see these horror shows, this beautiful young woman who was killed. All right? I mean, it does. Larry, that's one of the reasons we're going to have to deport a lot of the 8 million uh, illegals that come across. I'll give you the last word on this, Senator Lee, but I'm waiting for the senators to step up, the good senators, the conservative senators. Maybe it's in the form of a resolution and make this point, underscore Trump's point about deportation.
2: Look, we had an opportunity a couple weeks ago. Unfortunately, it was squandered, you know, with the Ukraine bill. Uh, It was squandered because 17 Republicans decided to bring debate to a close on the Ukraine bill without having any effective border enforcement mechanism in there. We've got another opportunity this week Mm. with a spending bill that's being teed up. We haven't yet seen it, but it's being brought forward. It's uh, considered a must-pass vehicle, as they say. We could insist right here, right now, that in order for us to pass this measure, Mm. we're going to demand that they pass hr2 Ah, the border enforcement mechanism passed by the house we should do that right and if we don't do that uh we're allowing this thing to be perpetuated even though the president has this authority hr2 would give
0: additional tools that would make it even harder Hmm. for the president to allow this to go on i got it senator mike lee thank you we appreciate your time sir very much thank you all right folks uh, switching gears right here on the fly We're going to ask, is Mitch McConnell McConnell ready to endorse Donald Trump? It's my favorite rumor of the day. We're going to talk to Mark Simone, W.O.R. radio show host, and Jason Chaffetz, former Utah congressman, Fox News contributor and author of The Puppeteers, The People Who Control, The People Who Control America. Mr. Chaffetz was once upon a time chair of the House Oversight Committee. So um, lots of rumors that Mitch's guy and Trump's guy are talking, and we're going to get an endorsement from Mitch McConnell. What do you think?
5: Uh, I think it's a good. Yeah, this is good news. Do you think it's plausible? Um, I I think it's necessary. The the fact that there wasn't an endorsement causes a riff. Is Mitch McConnell going to push Donald Trump over the top? No, but it's going to show unity and, and that messaging coming from the majority or uh, from the minority leader, I think it's an important one because he's no fan of Donald Trump. No. But the fact that he's getting behind, uniting behind the party to defeat uh, Joe Biden is a good thing. He'll do it.
0: I believe yeah. he'll do it. Yeah. I he mean, should. I think he's he an old veteran and he'll do it for the sake and he yeah. wants to win the Senate. That's right. And he might win the Senate. Yeah. He, even a liberal like Larry, Larry Hogan is a liberal uh, Republican in Maryland on most issues. But well who cares? Need you'll, his vote. You'll, <laughs> you'll need a, thank you. You'll take the committee chairman. Um, Mark Simone I had a question for you. Uh, How many people watch Seth Meyer, and how many people watch the Super Bowl, and why did Joe Biden decide to go to Seth Meyer? By the way, he blocked traffic here across (laughs) the street, which annoyed me, but that's secondary.
7: He uh, has the dumbest communications department in the world. (laughs) They turned down the last place remaining on Earth where you can reach 120 million people. 120 million people in the Super Bowl. Seth Meyer, it's on a good night, 700,000 people. I think... They thought it was younger voters. The average age of a Seth Meyers viewer is 59 years old. It's not a younger audience. I just happened to be there in Rockefeller Center for another event. Oh. And I noticed, I've never seen this with an American president. There was no crowd waiting for him. Oh. It was announced all day on the news. You, any other president, you'd be hundreds and hundreds of people lined up waiting to see
0: him. Where was he uh, having the ice cream cone? It's right across the street from here with Seth Meyers. Uh, it's uh,
7: uh, called uh, Von Lewin's ice cream. Yeah. It's, uh, Really cool, hip, uh, all
0: natural. He didn't know what he was ordering. But he would rather do that with no, virtually nobody watching than 120 million people. What does that tell you? Yeah, and when
7: he made that uh, comment about the the Israeli negotiation, if you want to really impress world leaders, don't be holding an ice cream cone in your hand like an 8-year-old That's a good point. it's horrible optics. Who,
5: who orders an ice cream
0: cone in February in New York? I mean, well, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> Whoever goes to Wendy's for and congestion pricing. He didn't look like he was getting more done I, in one hour. I don't really know that uh, either. Uh, Jason, uh, Michigan primary tonight. Not a lot of discussion about it, but there's a whole group of progressives, um, Arab Americans. What's her name? Talib. I can never remember. The first Tlaib, yeah. She did. should did. Tlaib. And they want to vote for uncommitted, not for Joe Biden, which could embarrass Joe Biden quite a bit. What do you make of that?
5: Um, I think that's where a lot of Democrats are. I think they're uncommitted to the idea that he's going to be their leader to you know, put him over the top in no- November. I think Michigan is really in play in Donald Trump's favor. Mm-hmm. I think those union workers understand that uh, Joe Biden is trying to shut down the combustible engine and, mm-hmm. and wants to put them out of work. And I think Donald Trump's going to thrive in Michigan, which could probably be in the Democratic camp no longer. I think Trump's going to actually
0: win Michigan because they got that many problems. He hasn't been there much. It's sort of interesting, but I'll bet you he gets a good turnout because you've got this phenomenon. We talked a little bit about it last night. Um, how The, the alignment, the, there's tremendous realignment in American politics today. So you have working class whites, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, those people are going to vote for Trump. As uh, I mean, pollsters can't pick that up. It's not like just Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. You've got a working class revolt against Joe Biden and the progressives and the wokesters.
7: Yeah, and you had that with Reagan. They called them the Reagan Democrats. Yeah. There were a lot of working class under the, under the radar. That is uh, Trump's, one of, one of his greatest accomplishments. He returned the GOP to becoming the uh, working class party. Democrats had a lock on that for years. Uh, it'll also be the end of Nikki Haley uh, when that happens. <laughs> The Republican Hillary Clinton. The
0: Republican Hillary
7: Clinton. Give her (laughs) credit. She did a good job
0: wasting $78 million of donor money. You know, it's it's like it's a free country. That's the (laughs) way I look at it, and it's utterly irrelevant. Jason Chaffetz and Mark (laughs) Simone, thanks very much. Wendy's, you love Wendy's. Oh, that Baconator uh, pretzel. Makes me ill just thinking about it. Now, coming up, folks, IDF Israel, IDF special ops veteran Aaron Cohn. Why is Joe Biden betraying our great ally, Israel? This is a huge question. Stick around, folks. Maybe go to McDonald's again, just once. The question still is why does the U.S. seem to be betraying its great ally, Israel? Let's bring in Aaron Cohn, uh, Israeli IDF special ops veteran. Aaron, good to see you. Here's a just, we're going to give you a quote uh, from uh, President Biden on this subject. Take a listen, please.
3: Ramadan's coming up, and there's been an agreement by the Israelis that they would not engage in activities during Ramadan as well in order to give us time to get all the hostages out.
0: Now, he's saying that in some goofy uh, evening talk show, late-night talk show. I don't know. Has Israel agreed to this? And secondly, the United States apparently is bringing a resolution in the U.N. that would stop Israel from taking out uh, Hamas in the south and Rafa and so
8: forth and so on. What's going on here? What can you tell us? So here's where I'm at with this Larry. I think uh I think it's obvious that Biden's uh uh catering to his younger voters. These young democratic voters. He's got an election coming up. He's feeling the heat. Uh, uh he's disliked by every side right now. He's just he, him and Blinken haven't done an effective job of of maintaining the relations in that region and, and negotiating and navigating the complexities of Israel. It's not black and white, it's complex. So I think that's number one he's feeling the pressure. Um, as far as as far as why he's, he's putting pressure or continuous pressure at this stage, almost five months in after Israel's dismantled, uh, uh, from what I understand, 18 or 19 uh, battalion-sized uh, uh, cells of terrorists of the 26 uh, throughout Gaza over the last five months, I think that Biden feels that Israel can handle it. Even if there's a ceasefire, even if uh, Israel has the brakes put on them again, let's lean back into the hostages and let's give the Arabs, you know, their 30 days to have Ramadan. By the way, Israel's good with that. Israel's got 2 million Arabs inside of Israel who just serve in the IDF. And it's a big part of Israeli society. So Israel's not opposed to that. They don't want to shake up Ramadan. They know how important that is to the, Isra- uh, to the Israeli Arabs, to the Palestinian Arabs. But where I come out is I believe that Biden really, it's almost a compliment. He thinks Israel will deal with this, in, you know, in 40 days, which is what they're proposing, and then Israel can pick up the heat again afterwards and turn the engines on. But all that does is give Hamas more time. But, again, this is just about understanding the Middle East, Larry. Hamas got their win on October seventh. That reverberated all over the Middle East. So, but the truth is, is that Israel's been crushing Hamas, and uh, it's just gotten so political to the point where it's almost laughable. And uh, Netanyahu and, and, and Benny Gantz and, and his team and the Mossad and the Shin Bet, they're just going to keep doing what but, they have to do, and they, might, they may tone it down a bit well, during, during Ramadan. But,
0: but isn't it important? Okay, so Ramadan, uh, I haven't heard Hamas say they'd agree. To a ceasefire or release any prisoners, but let hostages. But the point is, what about annihilation? Rafa City is important. South uh, Gaza is very important. Israel's there. It's close to getting a job done, but it's got to get the job done. And you know what? A couple of uh, electoral votes around Dearborn, Michigan seems awfully short-sighted to me with respect to the existential threat to Israel, the only democracy in the Middle East and supposedly America's great ally.
8: Larry, you're 100% correct. Uh, Rafa is the final uh, ha- uh, uh, terrorist stronghold in Gaza. It's where that pressure cooker or Sir Lachatz in Hebrew, that campaign forced all of those terrorists via tunnels over the top into that one last corner. And I believe from some of the people that I've been Chatting with quietly that there are right. a significant number of hostages in Rafah. Ah. Uh, I just don't think that I don't think that Biden really has got. He just doesn't have a, a clue as to what he's doing yeah. here, and it's going to affect him in the election. Israel's just going to keep doing what it has to do, and you know, next time we get up and talk, it's it's going to be the same Good. conversation. But Israel's going to have killed more terrorists. That's Good. the bottom line.
0: All right, thank you, Aaron Cohn. I tell you, you know, supply side policy is drill, baby, drill. Cutting tax rates, deregulation. None of that's going to cause inflation to go up, but it will improve the middle class and the rest of the economy. And here's.